All right. We got a winner. Oh, we got a winner. We got a winner. Racing at Gulfstream. And here we go. It's been another week in racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of the shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, baby. Episode 348. Mr. Samich. What's up? Good to see you here. Uh, love to have you on. Love to be here. I have been on StreamYard or YouTube for the last four hours and I got another hour to go, uh, but I'm still feeling great. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing well, man. I'm glad you love having me on here. Not like it's the Magic Mike show. So I appreciate that. You are Listen, I've been on with a lot of other people. I'm happy it's your face now. For the second <laughs> time today, actually. It is true. We can be a little more goofy than the uh, that other show that's all buttoned up. <laughs> Did you watch? Because I was on with Aaron and it was not buttoned up. It was the opposite of buttoned up. We, I feel like we unbutton things in general. That's why when we're together, it can get a little loopy. Speaking but then, of which, you know, uh, I don't want to There nope. we go. Whoa. Unbutton the pants. Whoa. All right. Easy there, slugger. Uh, yeah, man, it's it's good. It's been a good day. Uh, NBA trade deadline, which is always interesting. Harden and uh, and Simmons finally get flipped for each other. I've been talking about that for weeks. KP goes to uh, Washington for a bag of pretzels, which was always interesting. Um, yeah, it's it's been a, been a fun day so far. Oh, and uh, apparently the national anthem and the color got leaked by Warren Sharp. So you can no longer bet the time on the national anthem or the color of the outfit uh, because he leaked it out on the podcast, which is weird because he works for NBC. So he kind of knows these things. So I'm surprised they let him say anything whoops yeah uh, that was yeah that was bad he's usually a big props guy too isn't he isn't like isn't that kind of his thing is he more of an analytics guy warren sharp well he's he's big on totals so he actually moves totals during the nfl season because he's got a model that he does not share does not put out there but does uh offer the totals for for, for his group that uh, that bets them um but he also likes to give out props things like that for the super bowl so I'm just surprised nbc let him leak it i mean because the, he literally is on the broadcast with nbc he works for them and so he has access to like the rehearsal and things like that. So he gives him inside information to be able to, to find this stuff out. So when he came out and gave out uh, over a hundred seconds or over a minute and 40 on his podcast, it got hit 11 times for the max bet on bet online immediately. Bovada moved from minus 150 to minus 230 on the over and then took it down. I just crazy, like how fast everything moved and then just off the board. I was going to ask you, being the uh, the guy who knows the overseas uh, books, I was going to ask you if there are any that still have it. Because we talked earlier, one of the videos will be at RacingDudes.com later, is a look at the Kentucky Derby Future Wager Pool 3, which starts uh, February 11th, so starting tomorrow. And what Mike and I went through and did is Mike showed, look, if you want to bet a lot of these horses overseas, is the better market for, for a lot of them. So I was curious to hear if you had gone looking, but it sounds like you did and came up empty. Yeah, well... I, I did, and and yeah, we've it's uh, it's now off the board. <laughs> now off the board. That? Yeah, he works for teams as well, so he helps. Um, yeah, he helps with offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency as well. Specifically, offensive efficiency. He's a big proponent of three wide motion things like that that are just more modern in the NFL today, um, and how it allows you to read the defense pre-snap and gives quarterbacks edges. So uh, you talked about uh, off-air. We're going to be looking at Gulfstream Park's late pick four on Saturday, and there's no stakes races in it, which we when we picked the sequence, we thought for sure the two turf sprint stakes, at least one of them will be there. 
They're not. There are some fun fields, and it looks like Todd Pletcher might sweep up. But before we talk about the Toddster, what is the best thing you saw this week? Uh, I'm going to go with the, the NBA trade deadline. I'm actually not a huge NBA guy, but I've kind of gotten pulled into it. Um, I, I enjoy some of the some of the different stars in leagues. I'm really intrigued by this James Harden for uh, Ben Simmons thing. First off, I'm just excited that Ben Simmons got traded so I can stop hearing about it on podcasts. About <laughs> yes. Because it's been like a freaking year. It's ridiculous. And all I've heard, all I've heard, is that Ben Simmons here, Ben Simmons there, Ben Simmons this, Ben Simmons that. So I'm happy that he's traded so we can be over the when will he be traded, where will he go thing. But additionally, like, it's really just an intriguing deal to me. I mean, you got uh, James Harden, who has been hurt with a hamstring for the last four games, who is miraculously already in Philadelphia um, and may play next week. It's like, wait a second, I thought you were hurt. Uh, And Ben Simmons, who was already seeing a therapist in New York and may play next week, even though he wasn't going to play all season. So it's like, wait, what? So it's clearly been something that's been on the back burner for a while. But then from a basketball standpoint, if you're Ben Simmons, like, and you don't want to shoot and you want to be a facilitator and you want to run the ball down the court, Kyrie Irving and James uh, or, and uh, uh, Kevin Durant, pretty good options to have around you. You're adding Seth Curry as well as a shooter. So that's that's a great fit there. And then vice versa, Harden and, and Embiid fit extremely well together, assuming you get, you know, regular season Harden last year where he was still one of the top 10 NBA players. So I think it's just one of those interesting deals where it kind of works for both teams. Philly's going to now way overpay Harden. It's going to screw him after this deal is over. But for the next two years, the window's open. And uh, yeah, the Nets... I mean, they got a lot back for a dude that wanted out anyway. They did get a lot back for him. Uh, James Harden, this is the reason I kind of got sick of the NBA. Um, is it so, it's so diva-centric, which can be a good thing. Like, when you've got, like, the diva-style players, it's not always a bad word. When you have diva-style players and things are going well for them, it's a lot of fun. The problem is when they're not going well, look at what happened to James Harden, man. He's just out here making every possible excuse for why he can't play or why he can't train. It's just like when they get unhappy, it's just they completely shut down. And I'm all for player mobility. I love the fact that you should be able to, as a grown man or grown woman, pick where you want to work and kind of you know help dictate terms a little bit. But to completely just quit and shut down on your teammates and the people in the locker room who are working you know, blood, sweat, and tears every day with you, it, it, it rubs me the wrong way, but I, it, at least I'm also with you. I'm so happy you don't have to hear about Harden being traded for at least another, like, five months. It's going to be nice. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he essentially tanked his way out of Houston and then tanked his way out of the Nets. Uh, I, it's, like He tanked his way off a team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So you never know what's going to happen here. Like, it's, it's crazy to say that. But it's like I said, I, I appreciate the, the ebb and flow of this. I think it's really interesting some of the deals that happened. Uh, the Bucks stole Ibaka today. I kind of agree with Chris here. I think the Bucks are probably still the best team in the East. And like everyone's just kind of sweeping that under the rug because they're not as sexy to talk about. But I, I would still take the Bucks over anyone right now. Um, and, and then you just have like you have fun things where uh, <laughs> uh, probably soccer players cry more than NBA players. NBA players do cry a little bit, but soccer players seem like they're, they're rolling around on the ground thing when you're not hurt. That bothers me more than anything else. I can't handle it. Like, yep, you, you'll never, you'll never lose that argument, soccer players. You will always win that because of the rolling on the ground. Yeah, it's just like get up, man. Just get up. It's like you're fine, and you're wasting time. And and then like the fact that they all waste time at the end of games also really pisses me off. Like you know, they just kind of run to the corner and kick it around in a circle. Like guys, no, just play the whole game, man. It's like it's like people taking knees in Madden. I'm like, no, that's not cool. You got to run out the clock. You got to at least play. you can't take knees in Madden, man. Anyway, I'm on a ta- I'm on a, like a random tangent now, but yeah, I, I like the fact that you have players with mobility going around to these teams. You kind of reshuffle the deck here. I still think the same teams that could win the championship could win the championship now, but at least you know we get a little intrigued for the last couple months of the season. 
Best thing for me, uh, well, until last night, it was going to be the fact that uh, Oakhurst, uh, she broke her maiden at Gulfstream Park yesterday, Wednesday. Good. And uh, not only was it cool because we know a Little Red Feather Racing owns her. She's with Chad Brown at Gulfstream Park uh, currently. And uh, we know Geist, who's in the Fantasy League. It, it, you know, If you know the racing dudes, you probably have at least heard us talk about Geist a lot. He and his family are part owners through Little Red Feather Racing. So they were very confident that she was going to win. She was 2-5 to five for, I think, up until post time. For that race, they went down to Florida. I don't know if they were in Florida. I think they. I thought they yeah, just they traveled down. For, oh, I thought they traveled down for the race. They were that confident. Okay, so well, still, they went over to Gulfstream for the race, and, and not only did she win, but but guys got to go lead her into the winner's circle. So like cool. you and I have been in winner's circle photos, and it's really cool, and it doesn't get old. I don't know about you. I've never walked a horse into the winner's circle. When I saw, and not only just that, this wasn't the Salk Human. Eighteen people get to all hold, stand in one line and and hold like a little piece of the strap he's holding it and he wasn't prepared for it. in his defense he was wearing slip-on shoes and the track was muddy and he almost falls a bunch of times when you see it happen on screen because his shoes kept slipping um i liked at one point i read uh, twice actually i read yelled at him to like hurry up because jokingly but he like smacks him on the back and says come on you're slowing me down the philly was she was she was still very amped up about winning so she was hard to handle but it was just so cool to see him lead her in the circle and the joy on his face at Geist when he leads her in and then uh, to go stand with his wife and daughters getting the picture taken. So that was really cool. It's not the best thing that I saw. But do you want to talk about it quick? Well, real quick, it would have been hilarious if he went down because then it would have been Bob Baffert and then Geist, the two back-to-back to go down in winter circle photos. Oh, <laughs> that's true. Um, we could say who wore the who wore the hoof prints better. Baffert well, Geist would have ended up with a mud bath, so I would have felt bad that's for him true. if he went down. But, yeah, she was loaded, man. And, and we've talked about this. It was a Chad Brown horse. We talked about Chad Brown and that synth. He, his best turf horses are running on the synthetic at Gulfstream right now. So when you see Gulfstream synthetic horses showing up in turf stakes races at Keeneland, at Belmont, at Saratoga, Pay attention. Those his best string is running on synthetic right now at Gulfstream. That's that's going to be important later in the year. It is very important, especially to see uh, as Aaron brought up when I was talking about it. Where do the horses go next? Like, does he hold off until Keeneland is two months away? You figure she's probably going to go. He likes to go six weeks with his good horses between six eight weeks. He could he's going to save her for Keeneland. He's already you know the, they already know that that's kind of the plan right now. Um, might target an allowance, but if she continues to train really well and comes out of this race really well, they could go straight to a stakes like the Appalachian. I think the, is that the one that's for Phillies. There's a, I know there's a really good one. I think it's the Appalachian, but. Uh, be really great to see her there. We're very excited. So keep following Oakhurst, stable her up, and then cheer on with uh, the Geist horse with us. The best things that I saw, though, Mike, is that um, I've lived in this apartment for almost two years. And for about a year, almost a year and a half, it was a really nice place. It's only 18 apartments. A lot, everybody's quiet, a couple small families, mostly just older single people. Um, and then these meth heads moved into the far corner apartment. And <laughs> since then, um, uh, Mrs. Magic's car has been broken into twice. Uh, in the parking garage, uh, the front gates—we have two of them—are constantly being broken. The for the cars, the front gate for the actual apartment building gets broken a lot. The back gate's broken. None of this is a coincidence. That when the meth heads show up, uh, all of this suddenly starts breaking. Uh, we've tried for for months to work with the management company. We'll send them pictures. We'll be like, look, they're doing this, they're doing this, trying to get them out. If you know California leasing laws, basically it's very, very, very tenant friendly. So it's hard to get them kicked out. We hear that they're going to get kicked out. We got about a week left. All right, that's great. Yesterday, about uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 
I'm sitting right here. You see, I've got this window, and I hear a noise, and I happen to turn out and look, and I see there's a U.S. marshal, or there's a cop out there in the street directing traffic, and I'm like, huh, and there's an armored car behind him. Okay, something interesting is about to happen, and then I see a bunch of you more, some more cops come up the, the stairs, and they're going into the building. I was like, oh, okay, something's happening. This is great. Uh, we hear them. They're outside of 209, and you hear, this is a police never happens at 209. Come out with your hands up right now. We're all excited. We're like, oh, this is great. This is going to be great. And they repeat this over and over for several minutes, and there's nothing happening. And it start, start, So we're, like, excited, and it's starting to do this. And it's like, all right, we thought something cool was going to happen. Meanwhile, it's now 5 o'clock. Mrs. Magic is late to go, or almost 5. She's late to go pick up Colson. So she leaves, tells the cops that she needs to go pick up her baby. Tell me if anything exciting happens. I'm like, nothing exciting has happened in almost half an hour. She leaves. It's 4.58. I've got the TV cranked, right? And he pulls out his cord right, right in the middle of the story that's going a little bit too long. He's got to pull out his cord so no one can hear him. Magic with just the, the master delivery here. Man, I don't know if I'm going to have to. I'm not going to allow him to be on Blinkers Off again. If Am I back on? Again. That was weird. Yeah. I just yeah, lost the audio. <laughs> Are we good? Yeah, we got you. We're good. Okay, we're going to keep rolling with it. All right, so anyways, we, uh, we, we the, the cops, like so it's 4.58, got the TV cranked up. Because at 5 o'clock, AEW, then the wrestling show aired, has got me hooked on. That's going to start, and I don't want to miss it. And all of a sudden, I hear some commotion out in front, and I look out from the kitchen. And there's Scabby Face McGee being dragged out in handcuffs. And I'm just like, oh, this is awesome. This is great. I'm about to reach for my phone. And all of a sudden, I hear blast it, at, like, cranked to 12 on the TV. I just hear, it's Wednesday night. You know what that means. That's AEW Dynamite on TBS. And fireworks are exploding, and it sounds like a fireworks exploding in the apartment. And I turn to look at the TV, and it's like the TV's going on, and I see Scabby Face McGee being led into a car, and I'm just like, yeah. I was like, I was through the roof. I was so excited. It was awesome. I, ah, it was such a great way to start. What ended up being a really great wrestling program. So, how many years ago would you have been concerned if you had seen U.S. Marshals walking into your building? At any point of time in your life, would you be like, oh, shit, this could be me. <laughs> I have lost all. I can't hear you at all. Oh, you're killing me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I, we need to do? Uh, uh, yeah, this is going crazy. I'm going to get us out of here. I'm going to start the show. You lead us into the Gulfstream uh, opener. And, and I'll lead us into it when it comes in, all right? And I'll try Riders to figure this out. Riders up. Killing me, man. Mike, I heard the sound on that one, so I think we're finally good. Kicking off the late pick four sequence at Gulfstream Park on Saturday, February 12th. Boy, this wouldn't be a Magic Mike show without something fun happening. Race nine on the card, 10. Maiden, three-year-old Colton Geldings going a one-turn mile on the dirt. Favoritism is on the number 10 charge at 6-5, to five, and this is going to be a really interesting race, Mike, because you and I talked this morning about this spot. We weren't sure who liked uh, what we were going to do with this horse. I almost thought he was a clear-cut single, and you were considering playing against him entirely. So take it over. Talk to me first about what you do with Charge It and then who your top pick is. Oh, stop it. I can hear you typing. Don't do that. <laughs> I heard the poker chips back there, too. <laughs> no, I'm just typing right now. You're going to mess you a little bit. Um, I look, appreciate it. Look, here's the deal. This is a really interesting horse to me because I, I chance it's clearly going to be your favorite spot he probably is the best horse but it's one of those interesting spots where you have a lot of speed last time was able to get the lead but that race comes back really poorly we were talking about this a little bit when we were uh, recording the kentucky derby numbers 
That specific day, there were five races on the dirt. The winner came from first or second every one of those races. This specific race, every horse finished in the order it broke, except for two horses who went from, I think it was ninth to fourth and tenth to sixth. Everyone else exactly where they broke. So uh, very much a speed favoring track on this day, very much wire to wire, merry-go-round style track on the day he ran. Then you have the fact that Pletcher enters another. And so the combination of those two kind of make me wonder a little bit. The problem I have, there's no other speed in here. Every single horse that's run has shown no speed. So we've got to look at first-time starters if we're going to if we're going to challenge for the lead, or we got to go with the Pletcher. I ended up saying, look, I don't believe any of these first-time starters are fast enough to keep up with Change It here. Um, so I'm going to go with Change It on top, but I'm going to end up going too deep. Enough already is the other horse I think I'm interested in here. It's the other Pletcher in this spot. I just the fact that he enters this horse makes me interested enough in, in already enough or enough already. And I'm not going to go that deep. Or I'm, I'm, I'm not spending that much money. I think Pletcher may actually win every single leg here, which is a little concerning. Um, but I'm going to start with the two Pletchers. I, you know, I looked at a couple others in here, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, but but for me, it was the Pletchers. And it was hard to get around them. Uh, I appreciate everybody in the chat making me laugh here uh, about all the technical issues. I just want to say I've gone the entire day, multiple shows, and not had any issues. And somehow I come on Magic Mike's show in the first, like, within five minutes, there's a goddamn problem that I caused. Uh, listen, you brought up a great point that there really isn't a lot of pace in here. And so for me, I was going to look for someone to use with Charge It uh, who could possibly surprised because of these other horses they've all pretty disappointing um i didn't go with the four uh i don't love the fact that this is a and i get why you did i mean first of all this is the other pletcher um has shown a little bit of speed it seems like in the mornings and so with haramio you would expect probably gonna have a little bit of speed um don't look at the fact that it is haramio riding because both ortiz brothers they're at tampa over the weekend or on saturday yeah. so they're not available so don't be like well irad didn't pick it up because he didn't really uh get much of a choice uh, but this is a, a Tappet who sold for $60,000 and a damn family that develops well, but usually like late in a three-year-old, maybe at four years old. So I'm going to hold off on this horse. Um, obviously, I'm using Charging on top. I'm going to use the McPeak horse. And it's, it's, I, I made a note because I did this without the morning line. I was like, yeah, I got to get a price. So when I saw 15 to 1 on the seven hard performer, I was like, that's the one that I'm going to use in case Charge It isn't as good as I think he is because I, again, almost singled him in the spot. But for hard performer... You talked about it. There's three unknowns in here, three horses making the debut. You're using the four. I'm going to use a seven. Kenny McPeak, 16% with a 476 ROI when he has horses debuting at or greater than a mile. And we talk about a lot of times it's a hard distance for horses to debut at. Now, this one, that doesn't factor in was it one turn versus two turns. Here it's one turn. I would say that's a little easier for a horse making its debut uh, than if they were trying to go two turns. But I, the sharp work on February 5th tells me that this horse is kind of coming up to it could be ready to go, but again, that 10 to me seems like a huge favorite. I'm going, if the 10 falls off, maybe this is the horse that gets it done. I'm calling it right now. Stable up hard performer. He's going to win the first time he runs on turf. This horse wants turf. This is not a dirt horse, and this is the main reason I didn't end up using this horse. I actually mentioned it again when we were talking earlier. This horse is turf or synthetic. So I, I would love to see the horse on either. If you go into the uh, the dam family, so this is the, the second uh, daughter of hard performer, ironically the first daughter also uh, i'm sorry this is the first son of hard performer one other sibling it's a daughter called lovely trophy girl who by the way was by hard spun so this exact this is a, a full brother um she ran 11 times all 11 was entered for the turf so i, I think this is much more of a turf pedigree than it is a dirt pedigree i, I saw when i saw the, the original breeding that's what jumped out at me then i looked at specifically the dam which is a candy mare or a candy ride mare so I, i'm interested in this horse on an off track 
I'm interested in this horse on synthetic. I'm interested in this horse on turf. I'm not interested in this horse first time out for Kenny McPeak with Lannery up on the dirt. To me, there's just too many things against it, although 15 to 1 is a nice price. That's the thing. I'm getting a price. If this horse was going to be any, like, could have been 9 to 1. Nope, too short. <laughs> not going to do that. Um, a horse, before we move on, I want to ask you about, because I, I wanted to try and use... I think he needs blinkers with his running style, and that's the eight-touch code. Uh, second to Emmanuel on debut, but he's beaten a lot, going a one-turn mile Gulfstream, and then comes back here and is again beaten by almost 13 lengths by Charge It and Volcanic, uh, who, by the way, Volcanic is going to be in the Sam F. Davis Stakes on Saturday at Tampa and is a horse that, as a maiden at age two, Mark Cassie put in the grade one hopeful. So Volcanic is a horse that seems to be highly regarded in the Cassie barn and beat Charge It. Touch code, third behind those horses, but he just doesn't seem like he's, like, fully interested in racing a full race yet yeah i kind of feel bad for this horse to be honest i mean ran <laughs> through monsters in the first races right i mean like if charge it is as good as as the price indicates here at six to five and you have horse going to sam f davis and you've got emmanuel who's a top three derby contender and that's who you run against i mean that's that's a pretty rough life here for touch coat so far so I, i'm not going to say that we really need a change of style i'm still interested to see okay what's up with that last race? Was it just a merry-go-round race? Because he, he was in third the entire way around, never really made up ground on the top two. Was it because of the racetrack? I mean, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how that plays out. I don't really have much interest in touch code here because I'm not sure how you flip 12 lengths. I mean, that's it's one thing if it's like, it was ahead. Blinkers. It's yeah. It's, blinkers is a 12 length difference. That's a, that's two and a half seconds. Like that's not happening because, because they had blinkers. I mean, you need, you need, you got to sprout wings if you want to do, if you want to pull and catch them from that perspective. Um, Nine is the other one I think we need to talk about, Grand Lusu. Uh, this is a first-time starter for Street Sense. Uh, you mentioned this uh, when we were talking prior to this. The bottom side is all turf. This is a Chad Brown horse where you, you kind of expect would be a turf horse if it wasn't Street Sense on the top. Street Sense still fine on turf, but it's more of a dirt sire. I, I would be surprised if we don't see this horse second time out on the turf uh, or on the synthetic. I wouldn't be shocked if we see speed. You've seen some of the Chad Brown horses that were bred for turf that show speed on the dirt instead of the synthetic because the synthetic track is playing so much to closers right now. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if we see some speed out of this horse, but long-term I'm, I'm, you know, I'm more interested in this horse on turf. Literally what we just talked about with Oakhurst, right? Chad Brown's best horses uh, for the turf are not racing on the turf right now. And I think that's why Grand Luso is here. I think it was, uh, it probably wasn't a synthetic race that came up. He's like, fine, we'll put you on the dirt. We'll get you a race and then we'll go to Keeneland and we'll go to the turf where we know Chad Brown horses love to run. Um, last quote, uh, I see Dr. Tang must be in, a, in a, a tournament this weekend because he's asking about a 21. He's asking about uh, if the race falls apart, can Logico, the five horse, pick up the pieces for Antonio Sano and Julian Le Peru? I think he's got good back class um i just think the pace doesn't set up for him here i i would like to use him if there was a you know a couple more pace horses but i just can't yeah i, I agree with you i mean it's it's really the, the problem and the reason why i'm not playing against the 10 is i don't see anyone else who can go with the 10 here so for a pace collapse you usually need three horses that want to go the fastest is probably 10 i expect the nine and the four to both show speed the four and the 10 aren't dueling because they're both clutchers which means that I, what i expect to happen is the nine tries to send with the 10 and the four sits right behind him um, we'll see if that plays out. If it does, then I don't see how it collapses enough for a horse like Logico to be able to flip the table um, on both touch code, by the way, because he's lost twice to touch code as well and cha charge it. Move on to the second leg of the late pick four sequence at Gulfstream Park on Saturday, February 12th. Race 10 on the card. We've got a, a eight 
older horses going a uh, mile and the 16th on the turf. I was already skipping ahead to the next race in my head. Uh, Ty Pletcher, you talked about Mike. It could sweep the card and could very well keep it going here with the rail horse. NYC, your two-to-one favorite with Luis Saez aboard. Plenty of back class. Haven't seen the horse win in a while, so depends on what you want to try and do with him in this spot. Uh, Chess's Dream, a horse that we drafted in the Fantasy League for some reason last year because he's a turf horse, uh, but did win the Kitten's Joy. Uh, ombre for Barclay Tag, Jun Lipru. Lots of ways to go here. Where do you want to go on top? Yeah, this this was one of those races when I handicapped. I just kept laughing as I saw each, like, Tiberius Mercurius. Oh, yeah, we know him. We know him well, right? Then you got Chess's Dream. You got Highest Honors. You got Bourbon War. It's just like the hits kept coming as he went down the page. It was pretty incredible. Um, God, I took the Pletcher on top. EMC, was he's the best horse in this spot. Um, I think he's got tactical speed, which is important here. Where the pace comes from is a, is a pretty big question. But if you just look who this horse lost to, right? So Mandate last time out, which still screw you, Mandate. You still owe me money. Um, how did you win a freaking $150,000 stakes but couldn't couldn't hold on at a $25,000 claiming level at Belmont? It's beyond me. Uh, anyway, Sacred Life, uh, La Imperatore, uh, Damani, like Olympico, all good horses that, that, that e, EY – how do you spell his name? It's, it's, it's NYC, like New York NY, City. Oh, okay, that's cute. Anyway, uh, NYC lost to a bunch of good horses previously. The buyers stand over this field. It's got tactical speed. It, the one makes the most sense. Um, it, you know, that being said, I am going to get a little creative after that. So I'm going to take the one on top. I'll let you talk about your top pick because your top pick is my second pick. And I think it's awfully interesting at a price. Well, and, and NYC is my second pick here. I think you, you made all great points. And, and that two to one is going to be even shorter, I think, in the race day. But you definitely have to use it, if for nothing else, in the back class and the connections here. Uh, yeah, my top pick, your second choice, all the way on the outside, the eight horse Sigiloso, a horse that I'm quite positive you've picked more than once on this show because uh, I know the name really well. And, and I'm pretty sure that uh, – do you want to try to say Sigiloso? Sigiloso. There we go. Actually, you did a better job than I did. Congratulations. Um, this is a horse that uh, is back with Antonio Sano. Uh, first off, two back at the Tropical Park Derby. I think you can completely scratch that out because this horse likes to be forwardly placed. And three steps into the race, he lost all chance at it. But uh, Sano, when he has horses, you can tell when he has a horse that he likes and has talent, like a simplification, like a Gunavera, he's very aggressive with them. And here you see the horse break its maiden against Florida Breads and go straight to the Great Three Kittens Joy behind Chess's Dream. Uh, only finishes uh, two lengths behind him in, in that spot. Goes to the Florida Derby. They were trying it. But again, Sano is very aggressive with horses that he likes. Then he sends him to Saratoga last summer. That, to me, said a lot. He brought him to Saratoga after he'd been racing at Gulfstream Park and not winning in the summertime. Almost beats uh, optional claimers while he's running protected. I think that this horse has a lot of talent. I think that he is developing, and I think he just hasn't had the right opportunity in six, eight months to show it. So I really think at eight to one, I'm getting a great deal. Yeah, and I'm, look, I, I, I'm going to continue to draw lines through races to continue to make our point here. Draw a line through the January 22nd race on synthetic. Draw yep. a line through the November 6th race on synthetic. You know what this horse doesn't want to do? Run on synthetic. This horse also wants to be on the lead. You know where you don't want to be on the synthetic? On the lead. So you draw a line through those those two races. I think Sigaloso has got a shot to go wire to wire. That's the reason I use this horse. That's the reason this horse is second. I had a hard time finding pace. Tiberius Mercurius, yeah, last time out was on the lead. But you go back and you look at that race and you're like, oh, okay. So it was a, a 48, 112 and three race on synthetic at Turf Paradise. Okay, let's let's go back a little further. Last time we were on turf, went out in the lead, completely died at Kentucky Downs. Like I just I'm not sure that Tiberius Mercurius is faster now. I wish we had Jaramillo on the eight. I will be completely honest. I would much rather have Jaramillo than, than Alvarado when we're talking about a send jockey. And I'm worried that Jaramillo ends up sending with Tiberius Mercurius. But if he does, I don't think the two or the eight can win because I think the eight goes anyway. So 
if the two sends, I think you don't want the two or the eight. If the eight sends, I think the eight can win the race. So that's why I end up with the eight over the two in that sense. So um, it's interesting. I, I hear Paco too. And, and you also could make a case that NYC is going to be some of the pace here. But for me, I think it's going to be Sigaloso that's going to be on the lead. However, I do want to take a couple other horses that, that are going to be coming from off the pace. Highest honors, I think, is interesting here. The five horse. It's the first time this horse is going to try turf. Uh, it's a tappet horse, so obviously has some turf in the bloodline. Chad Brown, uh, obviously pretty good on turf as well, significantly better than on dirt. It, it worries me why we haven't seen this horse on turf before. It's like 12, mm-hmm. 13 starts in the career, and now we're trying turf. But um, you also look at who this horse was running against. You, you get the feeling they wanted this to be a absolute marquee horse on the dirt, and that's why we were running. Like Ford de Orzo, Olympiad, like – You've got back in the day, you ran the Travers and you ran the Curlin. I mean, it just it feels like they wanted this to be a Breeders' Cup classic horse, and that's why this horse hasn't tried turf. So I'm willing to to kind of give a pass there. And then finally, uh, I kind of like the seven here, Bourbon War. This is one where all the best races are on turf, and we haven't tried the turf in almost two years. Um, so if you look back at those numbers, like the Better Talk Now, uh, where we just missed a front run the Fed, that number is good enough. It's the best number in this field, the 98 buyer. Like you go to the grade two. Um, the grade two hill prints it runs a solid number on turf follows it up in a good number at the english channel facing very good horses i you know i'm willing to take a stab here with the seven bourbon war as well so the reason i'm not using either of those horses uh you kind of said why is the five not trying to i get it like i, I understand with the breeding um with with the uh, being a fairish homebred but also like if you look at the damn side like the turf seems to be where that horse uh, should want to go. So it's very concerning to me that at age six, Chad's just going, well, can't keep the horse healthy. And he doesn't really want to compete with the, with even, you know, the, the, the second tier of horses on dirt. I will call him top tier, but Olympiad's pretty darn good in that spot. Uh, so we're just going to take a shot on the turf when he hates the turf course at Gulfstream. Why is this horse here? This doesn't make any sense to me. And at five to two, I don't want to take a shot. If he wins, I'll go fine. But this, none of this is passing my smell test. Yeah, I mean, this is one where I, I would probably press a ticket as well as play the 50 cent ticket. And if you're going to press, you could probably single the 10 in the first, single one in the second, and then see what you can do in the last two legs. Because my ticket's 48 bucks, I just I didn't put a press ticket together, too. But this is a spot where if you like the 10, you like the one, you better be playing it for five bucks to start this thing out. Um, I am going to use my third horse. I'm going to go with uh, the three ombre for Barkley Tag and Julian Le Peru. Hope for a little bit better than five to one, but it, maybe he can uh, he get ignored. But uh, usually kind of a mid-range price is where this horse Likes to sit. I have an odd feeling that Barkley Tag and Julian Leipru are going to try and steal this on the front end. I think that they're going to look at this like we did and we're like, there isn't a ton of pace in here. And Barkley Tag's done that with horses like Doswell where you're like, that horse doesn't belong on the front end. And then he wires the Fort Lauderdale and you're like, oh, Julian Leipru walked him on the walked the dog on the front end in a turf route. Like how many times do we come on and go, shit, should have seen that coming. The horse, and I'm not going to point at the Saratoga race three back and say, oh, look, he liked because they went 24 and a half. I mean, that was total New York fractions for that. His running style doesn't say that's where he wants to go, but the 46 and four work around the dogs on January 30th. That tells me this horse has got something, uh, some early speed here. You see some other, like the bullet four works back. I think this horse has got some sneaky speed, and I think they're going to try and steal it. If this horse isn't on the lead two steps out of the gate, I don't think he's winning the race, but there's just something about this, Mike. I don't know. It's a feeling. Yeah. So look, here's my problem with that 46 and four workout. And I think this is important for anyone who looks at workouts. And as you guys say, when you're seven of 24 and it's 46 and four, that track was fast, my friend. Like, it's like concrete grass. That's, that's like, 
that's that's harder than Gulfstream's turf course, 46. 46 and four on the turf in your seventh of 24? You're not even in the top 25%? That's crazy. Listen, there were six Safi turf horses out there that day. Yeah, okay. Chad definitely didn't have any working out. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I can't get behind you three. I'm sorry, I can't do it. This is an interesting question, so I want to I address this here because I'm, I'm interested in your take too. Yeah. Uh, what do you do with horses in for a tag when the claiming is optional? Uh, for this horse, well, it, it's... Well, in general, say, does it affect your handicap, first off? No, it no. doesn't. Um, I, I mean, I would look at this, for example, he's a six-year-old gelding who's not as really a stakes horse. Uh, who Nobody wants him for 62.5. You're better at this explaining why it doesn't really matter, though, so you talk. Yeah, so it depends on why. Um, I, a lot of times, you can be in for a tag and run at the same level you've won at before. In that case, I don't mind it at all because they're, they're able to run back at a level they've already been successful at. And if you get claimed and you win, you're probably doing pretty darn good. And you're in for that tag because you don't think that horse can go to the next condition. So you're willing to say, let's say if it's like this, let's say in this case, you know, um, Bourbon War can get in for 62.5 because they've won at 62.5 before, but can only run for a tag, can't run for the, the non-tag. I don't mind that at all because if the horse wins and gets claimed, everyone's really happy about it. Um, he's already proven he can win at this level. This one's interesting because... Uh, he doesn't need to be in for a tag here. It could be just a straight op, a straight allowance race for him. Uh, that being said, it doesn't really bother me because of Magic's point. Look, they're, they're, they, this is probably the largest purse they can run for that they believe they can be successful at this level. And if it gets claimed, it gets claimed. They don't really care. Um, so throwing it out there for the tag, I don't think makes a big difference. They're willing to lose the horse, but this is where they want to be at. If, if this was a huge drop, then I, I yeah. think there's another part of this, right? If it, let's say this was a 25 non-winners or two. And he's in for 25. Then I got some questions. But because it's 62,000, it doesn't bother me as much. It's funny because the next race is 25K optional claimer. I wonder if that's why you said it. Um, uh, Charles also brings you up a good think point. I'm looking ahead. <laughs> I know, right? You're looking at a different track entirely. Uh, best <laughs> both worlds, if, if the horse wins and gets claimed, it's a banner day for the connections of the seven. There was a horse, that, the first time I was on the John Lee's simulcast show at Del Mar, Simon Callahan had this like $600,000, $700,000 horse that had um, was like short price and three maiden special weights didn't win and misses time for like a year comes back in a maiden 20 and was like one to five and on the show I was like I'm not playing this horse I don't think you should but if you like if whatever happens if the horse wins never bet him again the horse won got claimed because of the huge class drop never raced again so yeah. in their eyes they literally went this horse is worthless somebody give us 20 grand for it so we can walk away well, a lot of times, like just getting out is important and, and just getting out of an investment that you believe is already bottomed out is important. Yep. Um, and, and if you can get the purse and the purse to me is the key, right? Because you got to remember if the, you know, if this horse gets claimed for 62.5 and they win the race, this is a hundred thousand dollar day. That's pretty darn good for a horse that's six years old. that's gelded that, that probably doesn't have the craziest future was running an NL three allowance last time and was, was not successful against that group. Like there's just only so many conditions that you can put this horse in at this point where you feel like you can be successful, but this is still a good enough purse to run, and you're pretty confident he's not going to get claimed anyway. And if he runs huge and wins and doesn't get claimed, then you can decide where to go from there. Like so the, in this size, starter allowances, yeah, yeah. So, so in this size, it doesn't really bother me. A great question, though. Thanks for asking. And it really, it's it, it like so many things in horse racing. And there's no hard set answer for it. It's like it depends on the situation. But uh, we always appreciate the questions. Please keep them coming. Uh, we're going to move on. Third leg of the late pick four sequence at Goldstream Park on Saturday, February 12th. Race 11. It's another one turn dirt mile, but this time 
nine older optional claiming males and non-winners of one other than in what Aaron Halterman would lovely call a Boulevard of Broken Dreams race uh, for most horses here. We'll take a look at the sixth unbridled honor. He's your three to one favorite. Todd Pletcher, again, probably going to have a big day here. Uh, this horse breaks the maiden at Tampa in February last year, immediately to the Tampa Bay Derby, then the Lexington Stakes, then the Preakness Stakes. Doesn't win any of them, but was keeping very good company compared to what a lot of these other horses were doing at that point in time. We just haven't seen him since May. So are you going to put him on top? What are you doing? Oh, no, I'm going to leave him off the ticket. Uh, this is Ooh, one of those spots. No Toddster sweep for Samich. No, I, I, I had to, I, I, look, I can't chalk out everywhere. And this is the spot where I thought that the chalk was the worst. I kind of, I'm a little surprised we're coming back here at a mile. Um, that was one of the reasons. The one-turn mile just doesn't seem like unbridled honors game. Uh, yeah, I realized that we wanted a mile and 40 yards at Tampa, but that's a two-turn mile. Every race this horse is running, except for that first race at Aqueduct, was a two-turn race. And that was, in my mind, probably the worst race he's run. Um so I'm not really interested in this horse going one mile, one turn. Plus, there's absolutely no speed, like absolutely no speed for Unbridled uh, Honor, which is not really what I want to be doing at Gulfstream. I don't want to be coming from 20 back, which is legitimately what this horse could be doing if it showed the same speed it did the last couple of times. So for that reason, I don't want to take a horse that's going to get bet down from three to one. Let's be real. We're talking about six to five, seven to five on this horse. I have no interest in taking that short of a price on a horse that's coming from this far back in the pack. Like you said, you know, you, you, I think it was, I don't know who it was. You said, if they beat me fine at the last uh, highest honor, if highest yeah. honor beats me fine, if un unbridled honor beats me here, whatever, I'm okay with that because I just, I'm just not interested at this price. Uh, on top, I went to the rail. Uh, I went to our boy, Jonathan Thomas, 20% uh, right now at Gulfstream, 29% last year. Geld's Willie Sutton brings him back here in a spot where I think this horse could run absolutely huge. We just saw him win a hundred thousand dollar, a hundred thousand dollar maiden special weight at Churchill Downs. What I like, we talked about this on the stream. When you have a horse you try on turf that goes onto dirt and then goes back to dirt, they think they found something in that last race. I believe that's what we found with Willie Sutton. It was the first effort. We're getting first effort off a long layoff, but during that layoff, we gelded this horse, which I think is a positive. Workouts are, are good for a Jonathan Thomas horse, 18% uh, off this type of layoff, and sits just a perfect tactical trip here. There is enough speed that someone could easily win from that, that kind of second to third tier, which is where I think Willie Sutton is going to be. I love the rail draw here. I think that's going to help out as well because we're going to be able to save ground. I think it's all systems go for Willie Sutton at 6-1 on the rail. I used him. He was. I went three deep here, and he was the last one in for me because um, I, I went back and forth about this horse. There's, it seems like on paper there's a lot of things to like. You brought up the Jonathan Thomas trainer angles, all those high percentages there. A million-dollar curlin that gets kelded, but it also took him – uh, a, a really long time to, to get going and, and to stay healthy. It seems like there's a lot of issues with the horse. So at that point, gelding him, you know, you can help with it. It can help with the injury thing. Someone actually asked me about this. I was explaining how gelding a horse can help them prevent injury because mm -hmm. they're not nearly as studdish. They're not nearly as active and hyper. And a lot of times horses get hurt, not on the track, in their stalls when they're walking around, when they're just hanging out. So that could be a big reason why they gelded this horse. And it was just in November. The nice thing is that you can see that they, he was gelded last November, which tells me the horse from April to November, no activity, geld him. See if this fixes it. Now we yeah. take two months, three months to build him back up to racing. Seems like the great spot. If you start from that geld date, it seems like the proper buildup to this position. You don't have a bunch of world beaters for, I mean, you talked before, this is that level where Liam won, where you hated Liam because you thought it was kind of a wasted spot. In this situation, this is like the perfect spot for him after breaking the maiden there. The top pick for me, I'm going to go to the seven, Sir Ollie. If you know one thing about me, you know I love Safi Joseph Jr. at Gulfstream Park. Uh, he's hitting 23% so far at the meet, including with White Abario. Uh, but Sir Ollie is a horse that at a one-turn dirt mile, 
facing Florida bred optional claimers, not winners other than so the state bred version of this race. Uh, wins by three lengths. Edgar Zayas was aboard. Edgar is usually Safi's top rider. He's recovering from uh, from surgery right now. So Alvarado gets the mount back after having ridden him three times for Bill Mott. Alvarado knows this horse really well. I think a mile and eighth was too far. He's quality road Indian Charlie. Let's reel that back in a little bit. One turn dirt mile should hit him right between the eyes. Uh, I love him in this spot. And by the way, Sham Rocket, who beat him by a half length in the Sunshine Classics last out, finished third, missing by a neck to Sigiloso last time out. Yeah, I, I look, I'm not going to use Sir Ali. I, I think that Sir Ali needs to take a big step forward, but I get why you like this horse. Should be forwardly played. Oh, the buyers are terrible, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like we're, we're going to need to improve quite a bit to be able to be competitive against this field. But I, I also think could get a decent trip here, sitting right outside the, the, that first flight of speed. Um, and like you said, Safi's darn good in Florida. So I get why you use it for me. I'm just not interested. Um, other must-use for me was a four-horse, who's the star? I'm surprised this wasn't one of your must-uses. I'll see if this is your third horse. But this is one of those examples where we have a horse – uh, by Tonalist, who stands for ten thousand, sell for three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. So immediately, you got to think there's some talent there. Uh, runs the first race, uh, runs an eighty-two buyer first time out. So I like that. Look, this horse comes from California. I kind of like the California dirt horses more than I like the Florida dirt horses. So I'm going to consider this a class drop, even though it's a pretty lateral move when you look at it just from a, a, a level pers- uh, pace. But like. I wouldn't be shocked if who's the star here just has more talent than these. And again, should sit the perfect trip. There's enough speed in here that I think you're going to be able to close. I think the one turn mile is great for this horse. Hits him right between the eyes. And like, look, Cassie, 10% first time out, not wonderful, but I look at that February 4th workout. We're bulleting uh, one of 14 going 47 and one. The horse clearly has responded well to Cassie. The other workout you have here in, 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 uh, Florida is a 48 and two workout three of 13 on that day. I think it's all systems go for the four horse. Who's the star here getting seven to two. I'll take that all day. I think Haramio should get a, a pretty good trip here. Did you end up using the four? I did. Uh, the race at the exits from November at Del- uh, or exiting the race from last November at Del Mar, I should say. Horse was keeping good company, uh, for especially for the maiden ranks. Um, that November, uh, what was it, November 20- 12th race in specific. Essential Wager wins that race. Essential Wager just won the Grade 3 Palace of Verdes last week. She's now yeah. won three straight. This started a three-race win streak for her, uh, for the Bob Baffert trainee. Uh, Disco Ball was third that day, uh, a Brian Coroner trainee who uh, I remember on Not February have been 5th, taken down. Thank you. I was just going to bring that up. She was tw- almost 20 to 1. Drayden Van Dyke got so royally screwed out of a victory that he he rode that horse perfectly that day. Uh, point is, I agree with Mike. I think who's the star is a good one. And you, you talked about leaving California. The dirt horses are better in California than turf horses when they leave. But you're also going from Sadler, a high percentage trainer, to Cassie. And I think that's a great move as well. There's no downshift. They're just trying to find a spot. To me, Mike, what I see is that this horse needs pace to chase, and you are not getting pace to chase in a California uh, dirt race. So you come to Gulfstream where you, you know, you're going to get nine or eight rivals here. That's already the best horse uh, field, deepest field that she's uh, that he has ever faced. So I think that this is going to be good, and I think seven to two might blow it up a tiny bit for us. Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping it does. I, I like I like the one in the four quite a bit here, but I got to use that old. Oh, yeah, it was such a BS. Oh, I had the one turn. I was head disco ball turn. It was pissed me off, man. And they put up a three to five baffer where the hell it was. Um, I got to use the old savvy vet here, the three horse trapezoid. Look, this horse loves to win. And that is often an underrated trait in racehorses. Like people don't respect the love to win horse. And man, trapezoid is one of those. We're eight for 32 at Gulfstream. We're I like 18 for 32 in the money, which is crazy. Seven for 21 at the distance. 12 for 49 lifetime. It's exceptional for a horse at this level. Uh, Sutherland's run, ridden this horse eight times. One, four of those eight, eight races are wins. 
We've got one second and one third on there as well. The horse is the fastest horse in this race, will get the lead, likes going wire to wire here at Gulfstream, getting nine to two. This is one of those horses where it did like, there's a lot of sexy horses in this race. Trapezoid is not a sexy horse. Trapezoid likes winning. I find winning sexy, so I'm okay with that with Trapezoid. We'll take we'll take that nine to two price, see if we can go wire to wire here. Sorry, I'm trying to figure out who horse, what horses on this list are sexy. <laughs> we might have a different Hoover. definition. Look, there's going to be look. The one horse is going to take money. Unbridled honor is going to take money. Like there's there's horses that people are going to find as interesting horses that have worse numbers that they're going to say are going to improve or going to fire the first off a layoff. Like this is one of those where people are going to overthink it and Trapezoid is going to go off at six to one and top of the turn. People are like, why the hell is this horse six to one and open by length and not not quitting? Um, I just saw this, sorry, DJ, uh, from a little while ago. Stamina questions coming off the long layoff. I believe he's talking about the one, yeah, Willie, Willie Sutton. Sutton, correct? So do you want to answer that quick if, if, if you didn't yet? Yeah, I mean, look, I always have stamina condi- or questions coming off the layoff. And what I do when I'm looking at off the layoff is look at trainer stats. That, to me, is the number one way to go. If some trainers are good at this, some that aren't, you, you kind of learn which ones are good and aren't if the, lo- the more you play. Um, you know, I know Magic often talks about, like, Carla Gaines, like, running her horses into shape uh, up in California. So you don't want her first off, but second off the layoff, you do. Um, someone like Jonathan Thomas, who's 18% off 180-day-plus layoff, who consistently gets horses ready to go and has a, a super high percentage win percentage in almost every single way, I'm not as concerned about that stamina off a layoff. This is also one of those where I think it's a pretty logical reason you can see the layoff. Magic mentioned, you know, this horse did knock it out to the track a lot, then gets gelded. There were clearly injury issues. It's not like this is one where, you know, you just have a random line. You're not really sure why it's off. There's a clear reason why this horse was off. Uh, And the fact that we gave, we've gelded the horse in November, you got to think the training pattern, the, the really the rehabilitation pattern there starts in December. Coming back in February is a perfect time from a two-month perspective to give that horse plenty of time to get ready and be ready first time out. So I don't have it here with Willie Sutton. Um, a lot of times I look at trainer stats, and then that's kind of where, what will dictate how I feel about the, the layoffs. Uh, that's a great answer. I, <laughs> I love Breeze. Making money is sexy. That's really I'll tell you, the sexiest horse in every race is the winner. I don't care what everyone else says. As long as it was on your ticket. Jason says, queue up, Timberlake. <laughs> All <laughs> right, Mike. Back. <laughs> Oh, boy. I wish I'd started speaking a half second sooner. Let's move on. The fourth and final <laughs> leg. Late pick four sequence at Gulfstream Park on Saturday, February 12th. Race 12. We're going a mile and an eighth on the turf course. Mike, it's going to be a long race. Uh, full field of 12 plus and also eligible for all of these three-year-old straight maidens. Where do you go in this race? This was, I mean, I know Todd Pletcher's got the interesting horse uh, at two Foxtrot Whiskey at 7-2, to two, but kind of a wacky one. I mean, it's interesting you're not getting any love to the 10 horse from Todd Pletcher at 8-1 to because I think that horse is more interesting than the two. He's not the favorite. Well, that doesn't, like, again, interesting I start the off winner. telling you who the, the favorite is. <laughs> we start off telling you who the favorite is, and then we go to the winner. Okay, well, I like them both. I, I'm going to use both the 10 and the 2 to start this out. First off, wasn't there a Whiskey Foxtrot? Yes, there was. So, uh, Bob Baffert horse, yeah. Yeah, so, like, we're just flipping it around. It's kind of a dick move. I'm just I'm just saying, because I saw this name, and I'm like, wait a second. I know this horse. Wait a second. This horse has never run. How is that possible? Um, yeah, look, it's a really well-bred horse. Mrs. McDonagall, Maglioro Mare, Curlin. Uh, this horse would have sold for a lot of money if they ever got the chance to. Todd Pletcher, pretty good first time out. I think the mile and eighth is good. Interesting debuting at a mile and eighth. It's a pretty tough distance to debut at. Um, but I, I do think Foxtrot Whiskey, all systems go. Saez and Pletcher, 31% at Gulfstream right now. It's tough to leave them off any ticket. I'm going to use the 10, Laparty as well. Uh, this is a Curlin horse uh, that sold for 425000 at auction. Uh, the, the, the 
owners are, are a high percentage win owners on top of that like you talked about the ortiz's not being there jaramillo is one of the better jockeys when the ortiz's leave to have taking him out especially on a, like a first time starter I, I know he's going to get the horse out of the gate he's known for that early kind of early speed um and he's 18 percent with fletcher so far at this meeting a, a limited sample size so i am interested in the two and the ten as my, my kind of top two picks but i'm going to take a shot with a couple prices in here who have started as well uh, did you use the two fletchers I did, yeah. They weren't my top. I would say like two A and two B for me. They were right there. Um, not topic. I think you definitely need to use them. And I think we're essentially we're both taking a shot against one Pletcher in the same race, which is previously there. But otherwise, we think he's got to have a pretty big day. My top pick and Dr. Tang uh, teased it here. Maybe Mike, this is I haven't seen what you're using this race, but maybe this is yours as well. Uh, go with the nine Field Marshal for Godolphin, Alvarado, and Bill Mott. Horse on debut tries going a two turn, basically a mile at Gulfstream. Uh, was parked all the way out in post twelve. What happens at Gulfstream when you start? post 12 you go five wide in the first turn and you lose all shot of winning your debut that's unfortunate what happened here but this is a son of war front out of a medagliadoro mare who was a multiple grade two winning turf router at saratoga this horse should love this race i love this horse in this spot thank you for drawing post 12 for your debut so that you ran like shit on paper uh i'm getting six to one here and, and i love this horse here yeah i'm gonna be honest i kind of overlooked this one uh i did not use the nine oh. I may have to work the nine in my ticket somehow because I, I agree with both you and Dr. Tang. I think the nine looks pretty solid here, that 12 out of 12 post. Actually, one of the reasons I am using the next horse that I'll talk about in a second is because of the post position last time out, 11 out of 11. So I, I do think that's a good angle there. Um, I wish the horse showed a little bit more interest in that debut, but because uh, it, it looks like the horse is running on because he goes from nine to six, ninth to six, but he loses two lengths in that yep. time frame. So clearly just passing some horses that were tired. Um so, yeah, I, I may work the nine in here if I can. Uh, my third choice here was a seven, hashtag no wonder. This is a horse that just kind of keeps getting better. Um, I think, now, if you go back to that race, two back, we covered that race. Uh, Casey Chief wins on the turf. We talked about that mm -hmm. horse. That horse has been one we talked about, I don't know, five times on this podcast now, <laughs> yeah. which is wild because the horse isn't good. But we keep talking about that horse after we picked it. Um, that was a wire-to-wire -wire winner. The next time out, wire-to-wire -wire winner. Breaking from the 11 post, breaking from the 7 post in those two races, just kind of a little bit hampered, specifically last time, breaking from that 11 post, being able to finish up, but not really getting, you know, not really getting everything you need running into it. And on top of that, this is this is one of my buddy's angles. He loves Lannery off. That's a good angle on the turf. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Uh, so I, losing Larry for Leperu, I do believe is an upgrade as well. I think the mile and an eighth distance is going to hit this horse right between the eyes. So I like the added distance. I like the fact that we're showing some nice progression. And on top of that, the fact that we're going back into maiden special weight here gives me a little bit more confidence. So we were in 50,000 maiden optionals the last two. And the horse gets better in both of those races. And now we want to go into a maiden special weight and stretch it out. I, I think that's a good sign. I like the 10 to 1 price. So give me hashtag no wonder. And then give me the horse right to the outside of it. Twirling Blues. Um, this is another one who should really appreciate the added distance. Last time at 90 to 1, 90 to 1 in that race where uh, Field, Field Marshal ran, Twirling Blues ran up for fourth, um, was stuck out wide, and just kind of came up short, but was closing ground versus just passing horses in that race. Um, yeah, hashtag was right. Anyway, uh, closing ground, not just passing horses. She was, she was, I think Bree was guessing what horse you were picking. Sorry, that's no. what Okay, that, there sorry. you go. I'm like, I, I didn't pronounce hashtag wrong. <laughs> um, I use that one all the time. And uh, so, yeah, the eight twirling blues, the other horse that I like out of here was, was closing some ground. I like the 20 to 1 price. Um, I like the fact that this is second off a layoff as well. We should see a much improved effort. Uh, the fact that we went to 
Keeneland and try to maiden special weight there also tells me that Wilkes thinks there's some talent inside this horse. So uh, for those reasons, I'm, I'm using the eight twirling blues too, but I am, I'm a little more concerned about the nine than I was when this podcast started. So I may have to figure out a way to work the nine into my ticket here. Uh, well, listen, I was on the fence about the seven and left him off, but I can afford to add him. You helped me. Uh, I made the decision there. So, and that actually means the horse is going to lose. Cause I honestly don't know if that's once worked. Yeah, in, so maybe in, I'll pull the seven, <laughs> pull the seven for the nine. There you go. Um, the last horse I'm going to use, and I actually need to scroll up because uh, he is on the rail and at 30 to one, Sir Samuel to me feels like he might just be, if none of these horses are really that great in this field, and I don't know if any of them are, uh, this horse might be able to steal it. This horse is bred to go all day long. He's going to go a mile and eighth for the first time. Is a son of Red Rocks out of an English Channel mare who's also trying turf for the first time. Uh, was on synthetic Gulfstream to debut. Very clearly wasn't meant for that. It was 105 to one. Uh, second race. Now we're going to stretch out, but they tried putting the horse on the turf. And he gets rains off onto the synthetic. Horse doesn't really run. Horse showed some early speed. It, it being forwardly placed, I mean, I know it was was six and a half lengths off the early leader at the quarter pole, but the horse was a little more forwardly placed. And now we're drawn on the rail. I think like if you just freaking Martinez, I don't know who you are, but just press go really hard on this horse and get position. <laughs> Early, I mean, Marti- nobody knows. He's been in the winner's circle once in 41 tries at the meet. But just press go really hard on this horse out of the gate because I think that inside position, the breeding says, you. I know you're going to go mile and eighth, but a lot of these I don't know if they can. Just try and give that horse a chance out of the gate. 30 to 1, if these horses are donkeys, there's your winner. The best of the donkeys at 30 to 1, Sir Samuel. Yeah, I, I mean – I don't mind you trying to pick the pace horse, so I don't have any problem with that. It's going to be tough to wire this field. For, I mean, he's just not good. I mean, that's the biggest issue. I mean, he's he's been closer to winning a race than you have, and he's been main claimer so far. So I, I like, I, I I I applaud your ability to try and pick a long shot with speed. So I'm not going to knock that. And I, I love the price, but I I find this is a very small chance of winning. <laughs> it's a one percenter. It's a one percenter. Listen, there will be nothing sexier on Saturday than Sir Samuel coming across and giving Gabriel Martinez win number two for the meet at Gulf Street Park. <laughs> Moving on up to 4%. That's going to be episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to go through the late pick four sequence at Gulf Street Park on Saturday, uh, February 12th. If you're watching on replay or on uh, Facebook, thanks so much for joining us. Give us a like, a thumbs up. We really appreciate it. We're going to give out our tickets one last time. Down below, I will start for 50 cents. I'm going to go 710 with 138 with 147 with 127910. That's $45. Mr. Savage. Uh, I made an adjustment, but forgot to adjust my price. So I'll, I'm going to, that will, that will, I'll correct it in this talk here. Uh, so I'm going to go 410 with 178 with 134 with 278910. That'll cost you $45 as well for 50 cents. I dropped highest honor, which we talked about and added the nine in the last. Um, so that's kind of how I, I rejiggered my ticket there to be able to get that nine in Charles's point. This is the horse I think makes the lead. So Paco is in the last. Paco is on the before horse trending, which would probably be a good one to use with the hashtag horse. Um, <laughs> oh. And I, I do think trending is the most likely horse to get the lead. And it's a little spicy. This is the one that just kind of got left off my ticket. Uh, Uncle Mo horse. Uncle Mo obviously stands for 160,000, but showed some speed going a mile on the dirt last time out in that volcanic charge it race. Mm-hmm. So coming out of a very good race, now flipping over to the turf. Uh, Shug is one of those guys who's big time second start. Paco should try and send this horse forward, has a second highest time form number. I would think the four horse is the one that gets the lead. So if I went for a crazy price shot from a speed perspective, I would be using the four, not the one. My counterpoint, if Paco was going to put speed in the horse, he would have been more closer than four lengths behind 
uh, volcanic charger. Though those two did really just kind of take off, didn't they? We talked about that. Listen, that, you know, four is not a bad spot. You're getting 15 to one on Suge second start. I mean, that in po a, a good jockey is taking them out. So I'm not going to poo-poo you for taking it. Didn't make my ticket, but that is a, a good angle uh, there as well, Charles. Thanks for that. Uh, listen, we've got uh, Sam F. Davis stakes at uh, Tampa Bay this week and the Suncoast stakes. We got previews for those over at the YouTube channel coming up later today, as long as well as the El Camino Real Derby that I did with this guy right here previewing that. So that'll be at youtube.com slash racing dudes. I was on with Aaron covering for Jared uh, on Blinkers Off. That's already out there. So make sure you go check out the live stream replay for that. The podcast will be up. However you find podcasts, Blinkers Off, Magic Mike Show, we're in both spots. Uh, Mike, I believe there's something's happening this weekend. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl oh, that game. Yeah, I yeah. heard about that. Yeah, the, uh, the hometown Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Four-point uh, favorite right now against Cincinnati. I would take them. I think that they're going to win, but I don't think it's going to be that close. I think they're going to come out early, punch them in the mouth a lot of times. And <laughs> Matthew Stafford, MVP. What do you think happens in the Super Bowl, though? Uh, so this has been an interesting football season. Uh, I am undefeated betting NFL games in the playoffs that do not involve the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm 0 for 3 betting playoff games involving the Cincinnati Bengals. So Same. I would have preferred. I had the, the team against the Bengals. I had the Raiders, and then I had the Titans, and then I had the Chiefs. And those are the only three freaking games I've lost all playoffs. Wow. Yeah, pretty wild, right? So if the Raiders could have just gotten the job done, we would have been fine here. If then Tennessee could have just gotten the job done, we would have been fine here. But um, look, this is one of those weird games where I think either the Rams win by like 14 or Cincinnati wins the game. I, I don't see it being that close if the Rams win. I think they're able to get out, get get out early, dominate. And the problem and the difference with the Rams getting up versus with the Chiefs getting up, Cam Akers, I think, could have a field day against this defense if they're able to, to get out any type of lead. I think McVay is going to come out and run the ball in the first half. I like the first half under because of that. Uh, Super Bowls in general usually have a slower first quarter, like the mm -hmm. first quarter under. Um, I think that both these teams are going to play rather conservative early on in the game and not be overly aggressive. I like the sack total over. I think that I th last I saw was at four and a half. Uh, I think that like I'll, I'll way over for both teams total four and a half. Um, I, I think you might see four or five for the Rams alone. I think Vaughn yeah. Miller is going to make one or two plays. It's going to make it tough, uh, especially if the Rams get up for, for the Bengals to come back. I think I'm going to end up on the Rams. Uh, lay the four points. I, I like the Cam Akers rushing total. I like the first quarter and first half under. Um, I, I also think Burrow attempts over is going to be a good one because, look, when you have a depleted offensive line versus a big-time defensive line rush, what do you do to neutralize a rush? You get the ball out fast. What do you do when you get the ball out fast? You throw it sub-10 yards. If we're going to be dinking and dunking down the field, Burrow's going to have to throw the ball a lot. I don't see them having a ton of success running the football with a bad offensive line against that, that front seven for the Rams. I think it forces uh, Burrow to throw a lot of short passes. So I like the Burrow's attempts over. I like Akers rushing yards over. First quarter, first half under, and I think I'm going to be Rams minus four. Man, I was all excited about the Rams winning the Super Bowl until you started talking. And you told me the Bengals are the team that you can't get right. Ah, that's so frustrating. Listen, uh, very, and I talked about them blinkers off. I, I brought it up multiple times on dudes who bet in the chat. Uh, the one bet that I made in the preseason was thanks to you at cash. It was Bengals over six and a half wins. The Cincinnati Bengals were expected to win six and a half wins in Las Vegas. Uh, that tells me. They have been overachieving like mother effers, which is really what you had predicted would happen because you said they had a soft schedule and uh, they didn't have to travel that much in the regular season. Now, they had to put the, the, the rubber to the road in the playoffs and they've succeeded so far, but I would say they haven't faced a defensive front 
quite like the LA Rams, and they haven't faced a linebacker like Von Miller. So even though I know the guy's uh, getting up there in age, Von Miller is still like, – I'm waiting for like a James Harrison in the Super Bowl when the Steelers beat the, the Cardinals. Like when he made that huge play right at the end of the first half, changed the entire course of the game, fumble return for the touchdown. I'm expecting Von Miller – have like you, I think he's going to make one or two big plays, and it really like that solidifies the game for the Rams. So, go Rams! But uh, it, uh, listen, I'm most excited for the halftime show. You got Eminem, you got Dre, you got Snoop Dogg, you got Kendrick Lamar, you got Missy. I mean, my God, it's just I was like, this is you're, you're naming all people that I love to listen to, and I guess I have to watch a football game to wait for that to start. So there's a bunch of props online for first song. Okay, what do you, what do you think the first song is? Oh, uh, Lose It by Eminem. Really? That would be my guess. But okay. I also could see uh, if you want to go with next episode. I could see them go for next episode. I thought uh, California Love was like. With, with, oh, uh, I figured that would be like how they bring it down. The California Love so? at the end. And like have that, that's like an ensemble. You could have everybody out there. California. like kind of, yeah. and, But that is a good one, yeah. I thought Lose Yourself would be the last one. Just because that's the, the big time Eminem song, but like it, I, it's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do with it. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, this is one of those Super Bowls I'm really excited for because I think there's a lot of like, I, I first off, the, some of the commercials have come out are already exceptional. Um, I'm excited to see this halftime show. It's one of the first halftime shows that I'm like really pumped up for because a lot of really good entertainers on top of just like good musical acts. So uh, I think that's going to be awfully interesting. Yeah, like right, California, like California Love seems like a free square to me too. I but, just. But I... <laughs> I love that the two guesses are the two guesses we had and that you and I are both like we, we flipped them. Like we yeah. think one's opening and one's closing and we just switched them around. And like if there's, a, there's a lot of there's like a heavy my name is one. I don't think there's any way my name is is going to be the first song. That just doesn't make any sense to me. I just I don't see that. That's, um, like, eight, that's like M's 18th best track. Well, it's also it was his first track. It was just that early breakout one. Oh, and that's I, I don't right. see, yeah. but, you, but that's not any of the collab ones. That's like what, what is everyone else doing during Lose Yourself or during during My Name Is, right? Right. Like, I yeah. Just, you know, anyway, it'd be interesting to see what comes out and kind of how they, they prep the show. But I also think it's a really interesting Super Bowl. I'm excited to in-game bet this thing because I think in-game betting is going to be one of the best set. Like, this is going to be one of the best ways. Because based on the way this first quarter goes, I think you can pretty much in-game bet the rest of it. Um, you know, if like if the Rams get out to a big lead, I like the under because then they're just going to run the crap out of Acres. I like Acres. I like Stafford under. Like, all these things happen that correlate directly with how however this starts out. If the Bengals get up. All of a sudden, I'm on the over. I like Stafford attempts over. Like, there's a bunch of things that go with it. So, I'm kind of excited to see how that plays out. I bet Odell catches a touch touchdown too. So, I take Odell anytime TD. Last thing on the actual game, by the way, uh, Zach Taylor. Do you know who his mentor is? No. His mentor. I can't believe I can't remember. Is Sean McVay? It's the oh. coach. So, you also have the aspect of Sean McVay knows everything about Zach Taylor everything i forgot that zach taylor and sean yeah so i forgot about that you have the the entire offensive mind of zach taylor was developed by the offensive mind of sean mcveigh if anyone can stop this offense it's you would think it's that the other last thing is the rams love playing zone all year burrow's biggest weakness against zone he wants man coverage because he's got throw it up wide receivers he's got a bunch of yolo balls he likes to throw uh so if they play zone you can't yolo as much and then you have uh Jalen Ramsey, who's going to be following around Jamar Chase, which is not a great matchup for Jamar Chase. So it's a lot of things to like about the Rams. Anyway, 
yeah, I'm done now. That's all my Super Bowl stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad you said it. Listen, if you want even more, and this was great content, if you want even more, go check out Dudes Who Bet Sports. It aired this morning, uh, the Racing Dudes YouTube channel. You can also get the podcast and download anywhere you find it. Also, go to racingdudes.com slash sports uh, to find that. And also, you can get all of Papa Dudes' thoughts on prop bets and, and his analysis of the Super Bowl. So, it's all great information. Enjoy the week and enjoy the horse racing betting. We'll be back on Monday to talk about all of that and more, I'm sure. Until then, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this weekend. Go Rams! This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels, Never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes first. Death, taxes, and Magic Mike on Monday.